Hello, Northwest. Hope you're doing fantastic. Uh, excited to be with you again uh, this weekend, and hopefully you'll take advantage of the resources that we've given you from a family standpoint, worship standpoint, and now we're going to dive into the word. The title of the message called Overcoming Fear will be in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, just that one verse. Uh, the topic of fear. Um, what are you afraid of, or what have you been afraid of in the history of your life? Um, maybe it's the dark. And you're grateful for the phones that have a, have a flashlight on it so that you can never be in the dark. You can go up and you can use that, turn on lights, and whatever you might need to do. Maybe you're afraid of being alone. I don't like to be alone. I want to be with someone. And that might be uh, your fear, fear of being alone. Maybe you don't like uh, the dreaded basement. Maybe you have a basement. You don't like the basement. Maybe you have a third floor. You don't like the third floor. Maybe you're just scared to go up there and be in those situations. I had a basement. We called it a cellar uh, in New York when I lived in upstate New York from third grade to sixth grade. And I can be honest, I do not, I did not like the uh, the basement in New York. Maybe you're fearful of being locked in, uh, just being uh, closed in, and just don't don't like that. I remember a specific situation where I was with my kids at a Panther Creek football game, and one of my kids, Jake, who is 12 now but was four at the time, got really scared. Um, we were at a Panther Creek football game, watching the game, and there was an individual who was getting really kind of agitated. And he was walking up and down this fence, and he kept punching the fence. He was uh, just angry and not sure what was going on. Shortly thereafter, some cops came in that were there, came in to settle him down. They ended up having to put his arms behind his back and were trying to escort him out. They got literally right in front of myself and the kids. They were less than 10 feet away. We were on one of the first sets of bleachers, the first row, and then this guy was walking past us. And as he was walking past us, he started flailing his arms and trying to kick the police officers. And the police officers took him to the ground um, uh, very quickly. Now, traumatic situation. Jake, when we were in the car, looked at me and he says, Dad, I gotta tell you, I was really afraid. I was really scared of that situation. When those police officers took that guy to the ground, um, I need to let you know that I might or might not have peed myself. Now, I died laughing, and hopefully you are too right now. But I laughed really hard, and I said, Jake, uh, buddy, it's really not you might or might not have. It's either you did or you didn't. There is no in-between. And he goes, okay, I did. <laughs> so that was just a, a funny situation talking about fear. Now, fear is talked about in the scriptures. We are to fear God, to which means to revere God, not be scared of him. God knows that there is an emotion of fear that comes within us and who we are. We're finite people, and fear comes to us. The issue is not that it would come to us or that we would have fear. The issue is when we follow that fear. Let me say that again. God knew that we would have it. It's not a sin to have it. It's a sin when we follow that fear. And that's what we have to recognize right now. A lot of things are going on um, with COVID-19 and where we are as a, uh, as a country. We're, we're just sitting here and we're looking. God, he doesn't want us to fear the situation or follow that situation or follow our fear. What he wants us to do is to follow him, revere him, and to learn lessons about him. And Isaiah 41.10 it is a verse that has been so meaningful to me and maybe many of you um, in situations of uncertainty, confusion, and there are just some great truths that are listed in this verse that I think will be really helpful for us uh, today in this message. So the prophet Isaiah was used by God to get the people ready 
for King Jesus who was coming. Uh, Isaiah has 66 chapters. Isaiah is a prophet, as I said, and the first 39 chapters correspond to the Old Testament and events that took place in the Old Testament. And chapters 40 through 66 really focus on Judah coming out of Babylonian captivity and the future restoration of Christ and getting their minds wrapped around King Jesus, who was coming and who we know has come. And so we're going to spend our time just really in this one verse, just to really give everything we've got in this time together to focus on really just this one verse and some great truths that we can learn. So let me read the verse for us, and then we'll break it down into four parts. Okay? Here's the, here's the verse. Fear not, for I am with you. You got a highlighter? I want you to circle the word with. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In this verse, he makes two things that we should not do. And the rest of the verse tells us why. And so we're going to break it down into four parts. I think it'll be really, really easy. Um, It's a lot easier said than done when we take a look at what he tells us not to do, which is the first thing. First thing he says to us is fear not. That's what he says. I don't want you to give in to it. I don't want you to follow it. You're going to experience it, but I don't want you to give in to it. You have a loss of a loved one. You have the challenges of life. You have all of these things. You have a pandemic sweeping across the world. And you have financial issues and 401ks and finances and taking care of kids all day long and all of that. And and what he's telling us, he's saying, fear not. That's the instruction. You see, fear strikes when we realize when we realize that our resources have been depleted. That's when fear happens. When we realize, oh my gosh, I can't do it. Then what happens? Do we do, we start to panic? That's what happens. I'll read the quote for you again. You see, fear strikes when we realize our resources are depleted. We ask the question, "You mean I can't fix this?" I mean, that's what Adam tried to do. When he found out that they were sin- they were um, they had sinned and entered the world in Genesis chapter three, and here's what he says: Here's how you do not follow the fear by the second part of that first verse. Fear not. Here's what he says: For I am here. It is circle it with you. For I am with you. The answer to the fear is remembering His presence. Northwest. I cannot overwhelm. I cannot just stress to you just how beautiful it is to think that the whole month of January, we did a message series titled The Presence of God, being in the presence of God. Psalm uh, 51, we're invited, come into his presence. We have been invited into his presence. And what he's declaring to us right now is that the answer for not following after fear is realizing that he is with us. For I am with you. So if you read that verse, it's a declaration to you. If I read that verse, it's a declaration to me. If we collectively read that verse together as a body of believers, it is a declaration to us. Fear not. Why? Because I'm with you. Psalm 23, you know it. You've memorized this. You've got it written somewhere um, in your house, whatever. Psalm 23 says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are, here it is, say it, with me. For you are with me. So what is the answer for what is the answer 
for not giving into or following our fear. It's just recognizing that the God of creation, the one who spoke this world into existence, that one right there, that, him, the God of the universe, is declaring to you and I right now, hey, guess what? I'm with you. And so I don't want you to fear. I want you to be comforted. So what does he remind us of? He says, I want you to remember that I am your comfort. I'm your comfort. So fear not, for I am with you. I am your comfort. He, he goes on. There's second thing that he says. So he told us not to fear. And the second thing he says is, be not dismayed. Now, be not dismayed. That word right there is defined as, dismayed is defined as to seek, to see or look, and then to look about as one does in a state of alarm or danger, or to look around in terror. I'm terrified. I don't understand what's happening. I don't understand what's going on. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, be not dismayed. I do not want you, of all people in the world, I don't want you to walk around and be terrified, be alarmed, walking around with someone who does not have hope. Well, then you say, well, well, I don't, I don't understand. For, for What's the answer? How do I not do that? How do I not submit to this fear? How do I not submit to being dismayed? He says the answer is really, really easy. He says, for I am your God. I am your God. Here is the God of creation who knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows every aspect of us. He knows what we'll pray for. He is above time. And he's looking at us and he's saying, I don't want you to walk around in terror or look in an alarm, in danger. I want you to walk around and to recognize and to realize that I am your God. I am going to be with you, but I am your God. There is no one like him. There's absolutely 100% no one like him in the universe. The opposite of dismayed is encouraged. That's the opposite of dismayed. Um, the, the great God of the universe is saying, listen to me, I want to encourage you. And I'm going to encourage you by reminding you that I am your God. Look at Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43 verse 1 says this, similar, similar sentiment. Here's what it says. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And so here this declaration right now is that God is fighting for his children to not fear because he's with us and for us not to be dismayed because he's our God. He has made a covenant with those who place their faith in him. He's saying, don't fear, don't be dismayed. You're going to experience those, those feelings, but I don't want you to give in to them. I want you to rest and know that I'm with you. I want you to rest and know that I am your God. So what does he say? He wants us to remember that I am your encouragement. I am your comfort and I am your encouragement. And, and then he comes down in, in the next part, and this is beautiful as well. It, it's the next part of the verse says, I will strengthen you. I will help you. Here's what he says. I will strengthen you. I will help you. The question I have for you today is, do you feel your strength loosening, you're losing your grip on the things that you're dealing with right now? And you see, we're control freaks. We're trying to white knuckle our way through this. Um, and and the, the, that is a promise to them uh, that they're a follower of God is saying, hey, listen, I want you to know something. I don't want you to fear. I don't want you to be dismayed. But here's what I'm going to do for you. 
I am going to strengthen you. You are weak, I am strong. You increase, you decrease, I increase. You decrease and I increase. That's, that's what he's saying. And we're sitting there, sometimes I think we have a lack of memory when it comes to all the things that God has done in your life that has demonstrated his strength. I know sometimes I'm forgetful as well. I know sometimes we, we wonder like, oh, could you really do that? Could you really bring this, com- this country back? Can you really take care of COVID-19? Can you really take care of my family? Are you really going to do that? And I think that there has to be this, this aspect where look at what he's done in the past. We want to come up with the Red Sea? Yes, part of that. What about David and Goliath? Raised up someone, took down someone. How about captivity in Babylon? I've gotten you out of that. We can add right now us. We can sit there and say, hey, what about sin? He took care of that. What about death? Took care of that. What about Satan? For real? That's what he's saying. For real? He will be put in his place. And I think we have to recognize that the God of the universe is looking to us and he's saying, I'm going to strengthen you. I will help you. You read that today. You read that tomorrow. You read that next week. And you read it 200 years from now. And it's it's an absolute take it to the bank statement. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I put a basketball goal together last week. And for the last week, we've had a basketball goal in the driveway. And we've been having some family uh, bonding time. Two-on-two tournaments. We did not play horse, but we played pig. And this guy right here is the champion in pig. I've been talking an awful lot of junk. I've been telling everybody right now, I am going to dominate you. Okay? I've got the whole, I'm going to back him down. I'm going to do the jump hook. I am going to do the turnaround. I'm going to cross you up. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I am going to win. I will tell you, at this recording, I've played three games. I've lost one. I have not dominated like I said that I would. Okay? A little embarrassed by that. Myself and Luke lost to Dana and Jake. Okay? A little bitter. But, but, but here's what I'm saying right now. I have been talking a lot of junk and I wasn't really able to back it up. And here's what the God of the universe is saying. I will strengthen you. I will help you. And he has a resume that does not stop of him doing that for his people. It's beautiful. It's powerful. And it's a great reminder for you and I to sit there and see all that he has done. And to look at the history of what he's done. And him to say, I will, I will strengthen you. I will help you. God... Your shoulders are bigger than us. Let us remember that you are our strength. Let us rest and remember that he declared that I am your strength. Let us hold on to that. Let us not forget it. The last part of the verse right now is absolutely beautiful. It's just beautiful. The the book of Isaiah is, is filled with messianic prophecies about Jesus who's coming. And in this last part of the verse, it is a reminder of them that as they go through and come back into the Jew, they were, they were in Babylonian captivity and now they're coming back in. And he wants them to remember. He wants them to remember how God is going to hold them up. How does he hold them up? He says, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The right hand of God in scripture has always been seen of strength. It's been seen as that's the, where strength, it's, it's, a, it's an analogy of strength. And it's all through scripture. But I have a question for you. Where does Jesus sit? Jesus sits at the right hand of God. And here's what he's declaring to us. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. 
He's telling us, I'm going to give you my very best. It is God in the flesh. It is King Jesus. It is Emmanuel. It is God with you. That's how he holds us up. That's how he's declaring to them, and that's how he's declaring to us. This is what I'm going to do, Northwest. This is what I'm going to do, world. I'm going to hold you up by my righteous right hand, which is by Jesus. That is my best. That is what I offer to you. That is what I have given you. He's declaring to them at that time that Jesus is coming. Now we can sit back and look at it going, yes, he has come. That is how he has answered it. He does not say in all of this text, I'll read the text one more, one more time before I make this point. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He does not say, I'm going to give you a new car. I'm going to give you a new job. I'm going to heal you of diabetes. I'm going to heal you of cancer. He doesn't promise healing. He doesn't promise freedom from trials. He doesn't promise that we won't get sick. He doesn't promise that there won't be a pandemic that will come across. What he does promise is he promises all of himself. He says, you're going to get me. You're going to get all of me. And that right there is what you need. And I want you to rest in that. And in his sovereignty and in his allowance, he's allowed that to take place. Our sports systems are gone. Can't watch a game, can't go to a game, can't play a game unless it's in your driveway. And he's just telling us right now, I will be your comfort. I will be, I will, I'm there to encourage you. I am going to strengthen you. And don't you forget that I have given you my very best. His name is Jesus, and there is no one like him. Hold on to that. Remember that. Don't forget that. You may sit here and say, well, I, I don't understand. I'm confused. Listen, may we know that he loves us. May we know that he cares for us. And may we all know that when this is all over, he is still God. He's still God now, and he's still God then. And he looks at us and he says, fear not. I'm with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you up with my righteous right hand. And the way we do that is pointing you to Jesus. Northwest, I absolutely love you. My prayer is that this would be something that you can say about yourself that this would be your personal testimony, this verse right here. I pray that you would be able to say this. Fear not, for I have, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. I pray that you would be able to say, God can say that about me. You have redeemed me, and you call me by name. For those of you that have said yes to Jesus, and you have a relationship with him, then I just want you to celebrate that he is good, that he is still God, and he's over all of this. And for those of you that have not said yes to Jesus, I would beg you and I would plead you, repent and believe in him, for he is so good. He is so good. Northwest, I love you. Let's make much of him. Let's serve him. Let's declare him. And let's not give in to our fear and follow it. But let us trust him. I love you.